0: on this episode of the playbook i have lauren and michael bostic the hosts of the skinny confidential him and her podcast and we're going to talk about don't give in to fear and these are two experts on that subject matter join me for all of this and more on the playbook this is entrepreneurs the playbook where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I am so excited because they let the boy out of his cage. I'm here in Los Angeles with two of my favorite people in the whole world who owe me a trip to New Orleans, Lauren and Michael Bostick of the Skinny Confidential, him and her show, uh, and more importantly, really great friends of mine. Welcome to the playbook again.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here.
2: Listen, man, I missed you. I missed was, you guys. It's been a while. It feels like it's been forever. I know we we watch your content all the time, and like we obviously zoom and talk, but like this, the in person connection's been a while. No,
1: we do really look up to you as entrepreneurs, oh. and I think that how you've handled the pandemic with your business is just so amazing and incredible. And I hope on this episode, selfishly, that I get to pick up some. Tips, tricks, tactics, systems, whatever.
0: absolutely. And I want to talk about the evolution because one of the you guys are the real deal. You've been around a long time from blogging on and have seen platforms come and go and seen platforms grow. Um and I'm trying to be a scientist about this, right? I'm this spiritual pragmatist, the think and grow rich. I think I might've been born from Napoleon Hill because I have such a dichotomy of my being that's very super Buddha, but also I'm ferocious business person. I mean, sports agent turned Buddha is a weird thing to be, but I see the same thing within the context of YouTube and how the brand and the communication has evolved to suit the audience and the impact. And as business people, I think, you know, it's a really interesting thing. Where do you blend the impact with running a business? And I think that's an area that I help a lot of people with is because I spent so many years just figuring out how to monetize things. But I am very open to what, especially Lauren, you started, which was to help, especially women, you know, just to inspire them.
1: Yeah, I think you and I both started very similarly. Like we went in with a certain intention. I think now people come into the space and they're like, okay, how do I make money right now? I came into the space and I was like, okay, I'm going to build a brand, but there needs to be longevity in this. And I need to be very um, thoughtful about how I roll it out. So I didn't try to make money for three years. I did it seven days a week. And I had a, a side hustle as my job. I think a lot of people nowadays, they have a job and then they do their side hustle, what I would tell you is I would say instead of going out and sort of working for all different kinds of things to see what you like, I would tell you to go get a service industry job like working at a restaurant and do your side hustle on the side so you can build up what you actually want to do as opposed to going to work nine to five for all these different people and then being exhausted on the weekends and doing your side hustle. I would sort of flip it. So I started out in the service industry bartending, and um, I was building the blog on the side. But the intention was always there, and that was always to provide tips and tricks to an audience so they left my site and could apply them to my own life. And I feel like you were just talking about this earlier. Very similar. You went in it with the right intention. And as you sort of worked, the money came. Um. So I think that when you're going into uh, the career of an influencer, digital creator, even entrepreneur, like you really have to refine your intention.
2: Well, I think, and I think the reason Lauren and I make an effective team is we came from two different schools of thought, right? I was the guy that you know studied business school, like always was very entrepreneurial, always a hustler. Um, but I didn't necessarily do it for the right reasons to begin with. It was just like chasing the money, right? So I'd get into these businesses and I'd always make money. You and I have
0: been really good friends when I was young.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I'm sure you guys are very similar. <laughs> yeah. I would make money, like that wasn't the issue. But I would get to the end, like you know, you make a big hit, and then all of a sudden, you're like okay, that wasn't very fulfilling. It didn't really help anybody. It wasn't very impactful, and it was all it was always short lived, right? It was like you do this hustle. Um, you know, I was really early in the internet marketing days, right? Do all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this didn't really impact anyone. Sure, it put a lot of money in my pocket, but it like left me completely unfulfilled and also without purpose. And so Lauren, I think on the reverse of that started with a very purpose driven mission, which was to serve the community, like her community. But there maybe in the beginning wasn't as much business acumen behind it. not to take anything away from her. There just wasn't as much thought. And so when we came together and started working together, I think I was able to maybe provide some more of the like concrete business financial skills. And she was able to kind of point out some of the more purpose-driven stuff. And we married the two worlds together where now there's purpose-driven businesses that first serve the community, but, and then second make money. But the funny thing is by marrying those two, they've both entities have become much more successful. And I think you have to have that purpose first.
0: You know, what's so interesting too, is you have these different and differing types of intelligence, so you and I come from a more pragmatic, academic intelligence about business, and you're an extreme PhD in emotional intelligence. And this blend, if you think about what Lauren did, which I love, is people make things too complex. And you are talking about the shift in the paradigm from side hustle to a service-based job that provides, what, what was she really doing? Think about it. She realized that all I really need is time and money in order to create a community for my purpose.
1: Exactly. And what
0: people do is they get all mixed up about purpose and they never get to their purpose because they don't realize that all they need to do is focus in on how am I going to have enough time and money to provide my purpose or build a community around my purpose to whatever that may be for you. And it doesn't matter. I always tell people when they don't know your your purpose, it's the thoughts about your purpose that is your purpose. And I know that's a really deep, kind of more sphinxy type of statement, but to that point you know, I'd love to hear kind of the purpose that was behind you know, you and your community then and how it's evolved. And then, Mike, how you kind of came in and helped that evolution as well with providing, I think, a much bigger platform in order to effectuate the community.
1: Yeah, I think for my purpose, it's always been, how can I allow someone to pick up little tiny tips on my site and use it as a resource and apply things to their own life? So everything I do, even from an Instagram story, has to have a reason. So if I'm posting a selfie, I'm telling you, what foundation I'm wearing. If I'm posting a mirror selfie, I'm telling you where I found my top and why I like it and why it fits right. If I'm posting a picture of my dog, I'm telling you the kind of dog food that they eat and they're putting, we're sprinkling pumpkin on the food. Like there's always a takeaway from that. And I think a lot of influencers go into this with just Taking the selfie, taking the mirror selfie, taking the picture of the dog, but there's no context of why they're posting it. Another thing that was really important to me was, and this will go into Dear Media, but we always have wanted to bring other people up. And when I first started in this industry 12 years ago everyone was well, sharing Michael
0: married up by the way so you yeah. started really close to yourself yeah right? Michael's, so, <laughs> Michael's so lucky yeah, that's
2: true. Uh, <laughs> she, she took a few steps down I,
0: steps I know the feeling man yeah. I did mean to, to insult you but I get it
1: yeah. you did <laughs> sure. elevating other people um that's what our mission was is to bring other people up so some people as influencers they'll just you know, talk about what they're eating, what they're wearing, what they look like, what da-da-da-da-da. I was interested in what the everyday girl is using for a beauty tool or what tan, um, a supermodel or celebrity was using and bringing other people up on the platform, which is why the podcast was such a natural extension to bring people like yourself on and share all these different experts and and ask them questions. I think it's really important as a creator to evolve beyond yourself. It can't just be me, 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 me. It needs to be you, 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 and then other people coming on the platform to talk. Um, So those are the two things that I think we did. And and obviously, Michael has done that with Dear Media. We had this podcast together. We've had the podcast for, I think, four years. And he saw that there was space. I'll let him talk on it with Dear Media. And now him and his company have elevated like 90 women podcasters.
2: Well, I think what I... If I could dumb down like what my basic skill set is in business, I was not the best student. I'm not the best numbers guy, but I feel like I'm a good communicator and a good salesperson, right? And I think if you marry those two, it's like, okay, there there's a there's a Ability to use that skill set to serve people if you know how to hone it in the right way. So when we started the podcast, we started it with the intention, we didn't have any intention to make money, right? It wasn't like this was one business, I'm like, okay, we have our other business, we have our side hustles, let's do this podcast together to serve a community. But along the way, what I realized and what I pointed out to other creators is it's okay to monetize that service as long as it's never at the at the detriment or harm to the community or to the people that are paying, right? So I firmly believe that it's okay for creators to make money on their content, as long as they're not, as long as they're not sacrificing the trust and ability to serve their community to that community, right? So um, when we got into the podcast, they said, number one is always serve the audience, teach them something, have guys like yourself on the show, um, and maybe be a communicator. That's a conduit to that information so that they can go and enhance their life. At the same time, when it comes to monetization, recognize that if you build a collective pool large enough with a like-minded audience, that is interested in whatever products or service may align with that show, that's also okay. You're serving that brand and all the people that work in that brand and have jobs there. You're serving your community by offering them products you believe in while also giving them good information. And so I think what I was able to do with the podcast and the network now is show other creators that one, you first service your community and make sure that they're happy and learning and growing and feeling empowered. But two, you're also being able to monetize and run it as a business. I think there's this misconception with influencers and creators and podcasters that they, they're they not entitled to revenue. But as you know, this takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. There's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of times, like, you know, Taylor behind their producing and and, and your team, you have all these people that you're supporting. And so it's figuring out how to marry those worlds together while also putting the community first and serving them and saying, hey, you know, yes, we are making money here, but hopefully you're getting more value in proportionately to what we're getting.
0: And one of the things that I looked at was segregating the content itself because you guys are such extraordinary content creators. And it's like, okay, everything I have is free. Mm-hmm. And I see that same is basically true for you, right? Everything's free. And if you're willing to do the work and figure it out, you don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. I got my own search engine, go go to it. But if you want clarification or access or relationship capital, or just an accelerated model of learning, then I want to be able to quantify and articulate the quantified value that I'm asking to be you know, greater, less than what I'm giving, right? So it's just a mathematical equation. And I think uh, one of the things that talking to you, Michael, that I find interesting is with your personality and your experience, did you have to go like I did through some sort of transformation where you're so tempted in the space to oversell, mm-hmm. back and sell, I'm sure you didn't lie or manipulate or cheat anyone, but I did that early in my sales career. <laughs> um, but Lauren you know, and I were
2: just talking about this. I had to go through what Lauren said, it was my midlife crisis, but it happened about 25 I'm years so old. I'm so happy though. It
1: happened at 20, it did happen at 25 years old. <laughs> yeah, lucky, I mean, see. this is a,
2: it's a quick He was store. a little
1: peacocky. No, I
2: mean, <laughs> listen, I, you know, when you chase money for the wrong reasons yeah. and I would put myself in that box, um, and you just think that money is like, I mean, you you went through this, right? You make, you're young, you're making money. You've never had that kind of money. What do you do with it? You go and you waste it on stupid things. You do it. You spend it on the wrong things to try to impress the wrong people. I did all of that you to an extreme, it, right? To an things extreme. you
0: don't need to impress people you don't like.
2: Yeah. And um, I, do, I checked pretty much every box you could as like the, the new money asshole, like douchebag guy. Like I did. Like I said,
0: we'd be good friends.
2: Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I'm glad it happened early because, you know. I don't I don't chase money to chase money anymore. I use it to you know obviously as a purpose and to build entities that I think are serving people and at the same time serving my family. But like you're not going to see me out you know buying fancy cars and going to nightclubs and trying to impress people with watches. I did all that and I realized that I was completely unfulfilled and also um, you know potentially harming my my real relationships and my marriage by doing that. So. I got lucky that I went through it early. I wish massive success on young people and I hope that they make it all and then lose it all early so that they can see that it's not the answer. I've right been through it. yeah. Um, and I know that's a weird counterintuitive thing because everyone says save, save, save. But I think if you can get your face smashed in a little bit early on in your career, make the money, lose the money and realize it's not the end all be all that you're in a much better place to, to grow later on.
0: It's so true. And then speaking of that growth, obviously the last, 12 months have been an extraordinary period of growth and i looked at it probably as you two that wow there's so many problems and such a big need how can i fill it and through that came we were discussing before the show all this extraordinary opportunity where other people focused in what was missing what they didn't want what other people were telling them where us three i will just pat ourselves on the back for a second we really look to where can we fill a need? What are the problems that exist? And how can we utilize the platforms of our community to assist them? And then more opportunities to monetize and to help everyone make money. Right? I believe monetization is an abundant type of thing. So I know I'm a big fan of your guys' as well. So what was your perspective, um, Lauren, when, you know, March 18th, almost a year ago, happened and you were like, oh my gosh, how is this going to impact what I do, how I do it, and for who I do it for?
1: Whenever I fear, uh, feel fearful, I switch my mindset. It's it's a habit. So what I the second that all this happened, I was like, okay, how can I make this work for me? And I really thought, okay, everyone's gonna slow down. It's time for me to go hard. I love how Ed Milet talks about separation season. It's time to go hard. So I was postpartum with my baby. And um, maybe this is like a little bit too soon, but I immediately was like, I'm going to write a book in quarantine and I'm going to use all this downtime to write this book. And so um, I wrote a book. It's coming out in July. And I also um, started setting up strategies for a product line. So I've been so focused on both of those things, the entire quarantine Um And I think that I've really tried to make this time work for me. It really is a simple mindset shift. If I sat around and thought, this sucks, poor me, blah, like I just don't find it productive.
2: I mean, I think you've seen this in our content. Lauren and I are sometimes outspoken characters that can catch some flack because my my entire life and i think lawrence too like i have always questioned the status quo like and i got in trouble in school because a teacher would tell me to do something or tell me there was a reason I do something. And my my first one says like, why why and i asked why 50 times until i'm like okay what God. a
0: nightmare to be married to huh but wow uh, <laughs> you got kids already march
2: 18th happens And everything you're seeing on the news and everything you're hearing from people online is that this is the end and it's so terrible and we can't do anything and it's time to just stop. And like for me, I just kept saying, why, why, why? And I looked at the current landscape of what was going on. I said, okay, where's the opportunity? How is this happening for me? I think that's such an unlock. I know that you've talked about. I know Ed Milet talks about it. And I also realized something from our friend Gary V. is like the market's the market's the market. It doesn't fucking care what's <laughs> happening. It doesn't care about our feelings. And so I was like, okay, where is the opportunity here? And I realized, okay, dear media as a, the business that I'm running is primarily in the digital space. Okay. We have Zoom. We have all this equipment. I the, Right when it happened, I we had 20 shows at the time. I bought equipment for all 20 shows, showed our production team how to do it, sent it to their homes and said, hey, here's how you use Zoom. Here's our remote record. During that quarantine time, because of that different kind of thought pattern instead of saying, oh, this is so terrible thinking, I thought, how is this happening for me? We went from 20 shows on the network to close to 60. We, you know, doubled revenue, we tripled the size of the team, we grew in a time when everyone was saying there was no opportunity. I said, well, there is an opportunity to do something different and new. And I think it's just a mindset switch. I obviously acknowledge that there's a pain point in the world and that we're in a fortuitous position to capture digital content and many businesses weren't. But I just never saw the point in sitting around and feeling sorry for myself and feeling like, hey there's no like there's no opportunity i know that's a for sure that's a sure path to failure so my mind always goes to why and how do i how do i find an opportunity here
0: yeah i agree and i think there was three schools of the people that i knew like added in us that came in leaned in and said hey this is either for or through me right i'm a big through me person so i'm even thinking about it you know i i, I sell or buy through me for others and i kind of look at it that way but then there's the stable people that just i'm going to keep everything the same you know, like, I'm just going to be stable. Let's talk about that. Because that's <laughs>
1: not e- that's not either. There, there was people that are just, I'm just going to be stable. Right. That's an interesting topic. Survive, I, right. Yeah, I've only heard people that are, that have These just, two. yeah, I've only heard both ends. But that is interesting. You're right. There are some people that are like, I'm just going to kind of coast by. Which, by the way, anything is fine. Right. But don't complain about the circumstance that you're in.
0: Yeah. Or look for what you don't have now, which is where I wanted to go with this is, Look, we're in an interesting time now because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The fact that I'm in your studio now is proof that, you know, we have a light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, we're going to figure this out. And I think all three schools of thought, the people that leaned in, they're prepared, but then they're thinking, okay, I leaned into this. How much is going to go back to being nor- to the old way and how mm-hmm. much will remain the new? What am I going to keep? What am I going to throw away? Then you have those stable people, which I actually feel the, the most sorry for right? Because you're constantly working just to stay the same. And yet the universe guarantees that it's going to change, accelerate and grow at all times. And so you're actually creating voids and shortages by trying to stay the same. People don't see that. And then of course, the electrons, they're always going to see what's missing. And so there's just going to be more missing for them. How do you see those two schools of thought of what do we do? The people that have gone and leaned in seven days a week again, you know, all for through us, and compared to the people that just I'm just going to maintain now that maintenance may not do it coming out of the other side.
1: I'm very very thoughtful about the content I consume. I only watch 3 to 4 people's Instagram stories a day. I do not watch 20 Instagram stories. I feel like that's such a waste of my time. I also am, am very careful of not no scrolling. TikTok. Um I'm not I don't watch a lot of content. I I really really try to not watch a lot of content, because when I do, I feel overwhelmed. So I think Ooh, a lot of people too. have have taken this pandemic and it consumed triple the amount of content that they're used to consuming. And I think this is such an important topic to talk about. It's it's content fatigue. It's like when you've consumed so much content, you don't even know what you think. Um. So even like y- yesterday was a Sunday. And so I consumed more content than normal. And I caught myself like, okay, Lauren, you got to pull back. Stop. Because when you're just sitting around watching what everyone else is doing, it can be incredibly unproductive. And if you add up, say you watch someone's Instagram story every single day, that's a minute a day for 365 days. That's a lot of time spent on someone's life that that maybe it's not even bringing you value. If it's not Educating, entertaining, inspiring, doing something where you get offline and actually put into uh, and you're proactive about it. Like it's kind of a waste of time. So I think that this time has been spent with maybe too much content consumption and we need to be really aware of that and how to make it work for us, not against us.
2: Why? Why? I, you know, I study a lot of, you know, we've all been like students of this digital era, right? And yeah. I and I think the one thing that I've noticed, and I talk about this a lot when Lauren and I are just, you know, out to dinner or whatever, is, you know, one thing I think that has um, shown social media to be somewhat of a liability in some ways for people that don't know how to contextualize it. Because I, I don't want to, because listen, it could be a tool or it can, or it can be uh, not a tool. But for people that don't know how to contextualize what's going on, this is a it's a massive uh, tool and mechanism to to spread fear if you don't know how to step back from it and contextualize what's actually happening in the world right in on, on, in March and for the rest of twenty twenty if you were to tune into the news cycle or social or Twitter every day you would think the world was fucking blowing up it was over and what I what I like about it is there's a there's immediate access to information what I dislike about it is there's immediate access to information right the, when when something bad happens in the world and everybody starts talking about it and it, and it amplifies it. It's in and, and you don't have context to be able to step back and say, wait a minute, like, am I okay or am I not? I'll give you a perfect example. We were just in Texas during this snowstorm that we moved out there. Oh, geez. And it was really terrible for a lot of people. But the the magnitude that you would think that it was if you tuned into media and you turned into social was much different than what we were actually experiencing. Yes, the water was out. Yes, it was cold. Um, yes, we were a few days without power and all that stuff. But the, the mass hysteria on social didn't help people be able to navigate, okay, like this is going to end, I got to conserve water, I got to be practical, like human beings survive without power and water and electricity and cold for 1000s and 1000s of years. And so what I was trying to tell people is like, take a step back, realize, yes, this is a challenging time. But if you if you get sucked into the world of social, and it, and it makes you spiral, like, you're not going to think clearly, you're going to be coming from a fear based state of mind, you're not gonna be able to operate efficiently. And you're going to make your situation way worse. And I think you can allocate that mindset to the pandemic, to the election, to the protests, to, you know, this power outage we just had in Texas. Like if you give into fear, you're going to make bad decisions and it's going to get much worse for you.
0: What I love about both of you is you subscribe to not only having the right mindset, no matter what the situation is, but the heart set is tied into it, uh, especially when you started creating your content, right? You talked about the reasons, the impacts, the capabilities of the content and how people are going to feel about what you're doing. That's not the just- most
1: important thing. How is the user going to feel when they leave? Right. And if it's, if it's making them feel bad, like, I, I always want them to feel like they learned something to to apply to their life. It has to be a resource for me. Yeah. There's lots of different strategies out there. Mine's not right. Only on
0: platforms, right? I mean, yeah. That doesn't work on TikTok. You're not going to learn any lessons on there. You right. You're going to be very entertaining. Right. Um, last question real quick, too, I have to ask. So, obviously, we go into certain situations where there's accelerated change and growth, and you're someone that is lesson-based, like both of you, obviously come out of it with lessons of, like, God, I didn't know what I didn't know. For me, it was, I can't even comprehend the size, scope, and scale in which we live. Like, the size, scope, and scale of our audience potential, of the universe. Uh, you know, all these things came out of, for me, of the humility that's involved of, wow, I, I, so much to know. You know, and I just still kind of fell in and let my ego sway me that, oh, you know, I'm an expert at this or I'm good at this at least. And I'm like, the big lesson for me was, man, you'll never get to infinity. Just try to try to grasp as close as you can to what infinity was Um, for you to through this process. What was your biggest lesson that you've learned?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, my biggest lesson probably didn't have to do with business. It probably had to do with the fact that I just had my daughter and I went into that with my ego. Like I had such an easy pregnancy. I'm going to get out of this and like, it's going to be smooth sailing. And it wasn't. And that hit me on my ass. So that experiencing that while I'm trying to run a business while I'm trying to have a husband was was very difficult. And I think that people need to talk more about how gnarly postpartum is. Like, it's not a joke. I'm sure your wife has told you this. You feel feel like you're wearing a, a suit. You don't feel like yourself. You feel overweight. If you're breastfeeding, that's the whole thing. Your breasts, you got the baby crying. And then on top of that, you're also a business owner trying to navigate a pandemic. I mean, it's a lot.
0: And you have a husband that no matter what can hu- never understand.
1: A husband that wants a blowjob. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> no like i No, it's like I only have fucking understand. two hands. Never I'm not understand. an
2: octopus. <laughs> I don't need more than two hands. On me, really. uh, you know, I think um,
0: <laughs> that's the best.
2: I think what there's a million things I learned because what you know I became a new father for, in 2020, which is the best year. Here's the other thing that people get mad at me for saying 2020 me was too. the best year of my life, ah. and I say that because there's a multiple reasons. Not for, primarily because my daughter was born, I became a father, and that's a life changing thing, as you as you know and well aware. Um, you know, we, moved to, we moved to Texas. I learned how to operate a company in a completely different way remotely. You know, with you know 30, 40 employees and all these shows. So that was all great. But I think the, the I know there's a lot of listeners that are that come here for business and mindset, and I think the biggest thing that I witnessed and learned myself in 2020 when it pertains to that is we have lost the ability to sit down and focus on singular tasks. Right, like we get we get pulled out of these tasks so often because we're too connected. Or and and what I realized is I took the time in 2020 to really really focus on in my personal life, my family, in my business life, my business. I put blinders on. I didn't pay attention what's going on in the news. I didn't pay attention to what people were saying on social. And because of that, we had a growth year. And I think you, you you can look, you could take a year like 2020 and you can get thrown in all these different directions for things that are outside of your control, or you can sit down and realize, okay, what is in my control and how do I completely focus and zone in on that to move forward? And that was a huge lesson to me because before 2020, I was probably getting thrown in all sorts of different directions because we're stimulated by so many outside things. And this year I just chose like, okay, got to zone in, got to focus. And it, was, and it was really helpful for me to move forward.
0: That's wonderful. I will give a class on refocusing because just to end this at a really crazy note that I believe that the speed of thought moves faster than the speed of light. And so that we have a muscle of refocus. You can only focus on one thing at a time, which is a really difficult problem. And where I think people are falling behind is they don't know how to refocus and they don't know the potential to refocus according to the spiral of time. So if you can refocus quick enough, your thoughts are faster than the speed of light, you can actually transcend time and that will show or, have an illusion that you're doing two things at once, three things at once or four things at once. And I know a lot of people like, how do you do everything? Because I truly utilize just like working out my bicep, a refocus muscle. And that's exactly where my journey with refocus started is I started to realize there's a focus problem. Yeah. That's a
1: book. It's called Refocus. You need to write that book.
0: All right.
2: That's a we'll book. Start, What's I a huge problem? Maybe you
0: I'll use Rev in, and I'll just yeah. transcribe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Write
1: it, write it on Rev and let exactly. us know you're writing it on Rev. I go you to write the, the forward for me? I, 100%. All I right, go, go to the foot spa. This is like my addiction. I go to the foot spa. Michael thinks this is so weird. Twice a week for two hours. And I get my feet rubbed. While I work for two hours uninterrupted and it is the most productive time of my week because it's completely quiet and there no one speaking and I'm able to do something that's self-care while also working. I think finding those little times where you can do something that's self-care while also being productive is really cool that's really cool you should write about it and refocus i'm
0: going to we got the book refocus from yeah. here <laughs> dave Meltzer here with michael and lauren bostic of sport of course the unbelievable dear media crew with skinny confidential we have to do this again. Anytime. About and you're coming chip.
1: on our podcast right now. You got it. And we've also been on your podcast before and you've been on ours before. Only
0: been one other person to do it twice. So you guys really? are very Feeling special, very special. Honored, out of honored. the 700. So, and I was very excited to do this since we came 700
1: our... podcasts?
0: Yeah, we're right there, right? Wow. Yeah, 700. Wow. Holy
1: shit. That's like Joe Rogan vibes. We got to step it up. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: congratulations.
1: <laughs> congratulations. Well, Thank you,
0: congratulations to both of you. This is Dave Belzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.